Hi guys, welcome to NHBF Shines On. I'm Brooke Evans and just like you, I run my own salon. I wanted to have real conversations with some of my favourite people in the industry about the highs and lows in hair and beauty. In this series, we'll touch on many of the issues facing hair and beauty professionals across the industry and create a space for honest conversations about the realities of working in hair and beauty. We want to tell your stories and share your successes and failures and with the help of NHBF, help you find your way to shine. Today on the podcast, NHBF shines on Kerry Blue. Kerry Blue is someone who has had a difficult journey getting where they are today. Kerry's the founder and leader of Hair Has No Gender, an organisation dedicated to getting rid of gender discrimination in the hairdressing industry. Kerry, can you talk about how Hair Has No Gender came into being? It's a bit of a long story, but we've got time, so I'll start from the beginning. I'm a queer non-binary barber, originally from West London, but when I came out as queer, I well, as gay at the time, I uh, kind of got shipped off to Brighton. There's worse places you can get shipped off to. And yeah, I went there and spent my time there in my 20s, early 30s, and I decided one day I really wanted a fade. I used to shave the side of my head completely on my own because I'd always wanted to look a little bit more, I don't know, alternative, I'd say. But I thought, no, you know what, let's get a fade, let's try something different. So after years and years of wanting to go into a shop where they would use clippers, because hairdressers would never really do it with clippers, so they wouldn't really give me the the sharpness that I was looking for in a haircut. I went off to a barbershop, I queued up, and I said, can someone cut my hair? And they were like, no, sorry, we don't cut females' hair here. So um, I was a little bit embarrassed, and I was like, but why? And they just said that they're not insured to do so. It was super embarrassing and I just stood there and remember walking out feeling like absolute, like I was just devastated to be honest. I felt a little bit dysphoric, I felt unhappy. So I decided to move back to London and I went to a barber school in London, moved back in with my parents at a really old age for that and I thought I'm going to make sure that if I cut hair no one else gets turned away. So that's what I did and I spent the last four or five years cutting hair in all sorts of places from from really exclusive barber shops and hairdressers to just high street ones like from Chiswick to Soho and stuff like that. And in that time, I started to really question my own identity and who I was. And I always knew I was queer, but I never associated with the word lesbian, never really felt female, but I never really felt male either. So in that time, lockdown happened and, you know, I'd looked into using a different set of pronouns for myself. As soon as we started using them, I felt euphoric. I was like, oh my God, finally, I don't have to fit into one binary or the other. And my hair massively impacted on this because of the cut and because of the style and how I was spoken to and how I felt after I had it cut. We all feel good after a fresh fade, you know, and I felt more than good. I felt in my own skin comfortable, which is the importance of what I do with Hair Is No Gender. Obviously, you've been doing hair as no gender for a while now. Um, what has been the hardest thing about starting it? I'd say at the moment, it's probably more so getting barbers on board with the change and adapting. Hairdressers and hairstylists, I've, I've found longer hair industries a lot easier to be like, actually, yeah, that's fine. But I feel like there's a bit more resistance with barbers just because sometimes it's it's the fear of like maybe not knowing how to do longer hair. So if you open your doors to everyone, nobody wants someone to come in and you'd say, oh, I can't cut your hair because you just don't want to be embarrassed. 
So I think it's just a case of it's showing people that it's not that scary. You know, like we just change the skill set and we just hire someone that can do the longer hair. Taking it back to young Kerry, what was your relationship with your hair when you were younger? Is it something that was very important to you? Um, yeah, definitely. Because growing up, I always been a bit of a tomboy, sold all my Barbies and got scare electrics. <laughs> um, so when I was about 11, I asked my mom if I could chop it all off. And she didn't want me to, but she let me. A lot of the time we'd go out and they'd be like, what does your son want? And I think it caused her a lot more harm than me. And looking back at it now, I'm always wondering why people are surprised when I say who I am. But yeah, my hair's always been a massive part of my identity. I feel like with long hair, it's everything that screams female. And which is probably quite ridiculous because to a lot of people, it's just long hair. And there's a lot of guys that have long hair. But for me and my personal battle, we're looking in the mirror and my dysphoria my hair is a massive, massive part of who I am, which got me into doing short hair in the first place. Living in Brighton and working full-time in retail, I did two days a week at a gender-neutral salon called Simon Webster in the Lanes. And this is going back so many years that that was a really niche thing. I think they used to be like, you know, unisex, which is a very outdated mm -hmm. word to use because it means either male or female. So it kind of still mm -hmm. discriminates. But they use the word gender neutral as well. Looking at short hair and the creativity behind it, how you can fade it, how you can blend it, how you can sculpt it. I've always had like a, a mad fascination with how it then changes the shape of someone's face. So for me, I just wanted to learn. And that's when I started to shave my own head. And then obviously the journey of the barbershop came in and I was like, right, that's it. I'm giving up this retail job that I'd worked for for like seven years to get to the top and I'm going to do something completely crazy. And I went back to like 50 quid a day <laughs> cutting hair in Chiswick. <laughs> it was insane. I was like 30 something at the time as well. So I wasn't young. It's just because of the power of the haircut. Yeah, it's expressive, isn't it? It's something that, you know, you wake up in the morning, you decide how you want your hair, how you feel that day and what clothes you put on, you know, it's all part of your identity, isn't it? And how you want to be portrayed. You hit the nail on the head there. Like it's part of gender, gender expression and gender identity. And that's part of like the gender spectrum as well. So my gender expression is very andro to masculine. So I like to have a shaved head and I like to have like the softness on the top. I'd love to shave it all off, but I haven't got the guts. <laughs> so I just <laughs> feel like decision. yeah, it's a massive decision. But yeah, hair hair is 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 imperative. It's a massive part of my life, and just cutting some of the people's hair that I do in the northern quarter in Manchester that I've just started tea. You know, that's testosterone. Sorry, and they're in, in the beginning of their journey of the, of their own self identity and and the tears that I get because they see such a difference in their own self. It's 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 the best feeling ever. You can't put a price on that. Like. You really can't. I'm a bit of a soppy person when it comes to stuff like that, but I don't know how anyone can't be. You know, when you cut someone's hair, you can literally change their entire day and their entire life. I do believe that. If they have a sense of confidence and they leave that shop and they get the job of their dreams, that changes their life because their careers change. They meet their partner, they get married, you know. We're in such powerful positions. And for trans people especially, you know, over lockdown and stuff, not everyone can get surgery. It costs a lot of money to have them procedures and to socially transition by changing your name and your pronouns and then your hair. These are powerful things that we're in such a privileged state to do that. And to help somebody on that journey, like you say, is just 
It's really important. Really, really important. So like when I go and I get that haircut and I feel much more like euphoric and I'm like, oh my God, this is this this is the start of the new me. And it really does. It's, it's like putting on an outfit and you're like, yeah, I look good. I know this. Do you know what I mean? And then I, <laughs> I am here. Yeah, I'm here. And then I think everyone needs yeah. to be seen because it's something crazy. Like I get people travel to me like three, four hours just for a haircut where I'm based in Manchester now. And they do that solely because they're so scared to go to anywhere else and get treated poorly or misgendered or just not understood. Obviously, you've had a journey yourself with your gender, etc. I think coming from myself, who's got a salon, who's never really had to think about these things, it's coming to a point now where it absolutely should be in everybody's forefront of their mind. Everyone should feel welcome regardless of gender. We've changed now prices and stuff in the salon to be more gender neutral. And it's something that everybody needs to be on a bit of a journey with. And, you know, listening to people like yourself and supporting people regardless of who they are is really important. I think, yeah, I think people are a bit scared to change. They don't want to, if you've got a thriving business, it's almost like, well, why would I change it? But I think the best thing to think about it is that one little change for you and your business can make a massive impact on on a lot of people's lives. There's a lot of impacts to pronouns and validation and misgendering in that impacts to, you know, reduce suicide rates and stuff like that. I won't get too deep, but the smallest change that you put in, like you have in your place, will open your doors to someone that's like, okay, they're gender neutral. I can feel comfortable in my skin there. I'm going to go. I think even when you're saying... You know, whether you're to do a short haircut on a a male, female, non-binary, whoever it is, Mm. the fact that you're cutting the same amount of hair off regarding, like you say, their genitalia, but charging people different is wild. And I think that really hit me just after lockdown. We actually had a barber and the barber's no longer with us. So I actually am doing short hair and long hair. I do do everything now. And I was like, why are we charging a gents price inverted commas and I'm doing the same as what I would do on somebody who was female number whoever yeah, that yeah. person is it should be charged for what you're doing not for you know their genitalia I bet once you started doing that haircut you were like and doing more gents as we say hair you probably wouldn't realize like actually this is taking just as long as it would take on a on a yeah. longer haircut we've obviously just come through like the craziest few years with coronavirus and lockdown so it has been tough for so many barbers and salons what would you say to salon owners or barbers who say that they can't focus on being more gender inclusive right now times are too tough how would you change their minds yeah as you know I totally respect that times have been absolutely crazy and we're kind of like I don't know about yourself but it doesn't feel like it did pre-covid yet even still it's it's like a whole different ball game out there now Mm. I would definitely say I do run courses and webinars and yes they cost money because I give back to charity but I also do a lot of free tips online I have highlights on my Instagram there's like key points that you can change that will literally take 10 minutes of your time which is where there's gender maybe just take it off and where you can represent that you do all types of hair pop that on your socials you know like these things take They'll probably take barbers and stylists, you know, in all about an hour to do. But if you're financially in a place after like COVID and lockdown, this will only benefit you financially as well as help people morally, you know. 
there's always advice out there. I'm always contactable. I'm not like, you know, anyone can message and say, oh, does this price this look okay? And I'll just be like, yeah, do you know, that's awesome. I think just look at it from a point of view of could someone like Kerry come to this place? Do I represent something for anyone that walks in this door? Yeah, I mean, naturally, I think this leads on to the topic of what can salon or barber owners do if they wanted to become more inclusive of LGBTQ plus people. Obviously, it's not a case of just going, changing the prices and being like, we're gender neutral. No, definitely not. People say, oh, we're going to get pronoun badges. We're going to do this. And that's great. But if you buy a pronoun badge, I urge people to understand the reason behind why we use pronoun badges, what pronouns are for, how you can bring them into your everyday life. Because if you are pushing yourself as a gender neutral salon and I go in or someone goes in and gets misgendered, that could be even worse than someone taking a risk because we're not prepared. So I think the best thing is education. And yes, I do do a webinar. I do I do webinars on Be Trans Aware with my partner, my business partner and my partner, Sam Marshall. We do them monthly. They are like £97, but we give back 10% to charity as well, which is always trans charities. And they're never recorded. They're a safe space. Anyone can ask us any questions at the end or throughout. And we have our trans friends who come on to answer Q&As because I think people are a bit scared to ask questions. And when they do ask the questions, it might not be the right questions to ask, like what bits have you got and stuff like that, which can be a little bit scary. So if people can come on and ask questions in a space that we can just be completely open and honest, then you're going to feel so much more comfortable when it comes to having someone who comes into your establishment that is openly trans. Breaking those boundaries and actually asking questions is a way forward. And it's not a case of, I'm going to be in, intentionally insulting somebody. You know, that's not my intention. You know, you need to be asking questions to learn and move forward and be able to take that back to your salons and, you know, then teach your team. And then, you know, it just naturally progresses then and you're opening your doors then to a, a, a massive wide range of people that feel comfortable in your establishment. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I think as well on that point, Brooke, it's like you may even have members of staff that are trans and non-binary in your establishment as well. And they'll feel more open to talk to you about who they really are. And if people can be who they really are in their job, they're more likely to stay with you because they feel comfortable. And retention is everything in our industry <laughs> because, you know, everyone wants to keep their team as, as they are because then that keeps their, their clients and it becomes a little community and a little family. At the end of each episode, we like to end things off with a round of quick hit questions. You can answer these as you wish. No more than a couple of sentences would be great. So number one, what's your favourite hair product? Texture powder. Who was the worst client you ever had? I could just say my brother. He's a nightmare, to be fair. <laughs> my, that's my mum, that is. I've given her to one of my other staff now. But I've been cutting hair for years and every time he still waits for me and I'm like, just go to your old barber, please. Worst haircut you've ever had? Oh, God. It, it, my own mullet in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> is that because it grew out from short? Oh, yeah, it grew out from dead short and uh, I could only get fade to sides and... Just the tickling of the hair on the back of my neck. But I tried my hardest to embrace it and I weren't going far. So, yeah, best summer, worst hair. Biggest business mistake you've ever made? Just not getting into hair at a younger age because I did I did a whole load of different things, swim teaching, and retail, but I always knew my passion was hair. So if I'd done that 20 years ago, I'd say that was probably the biggest mistake I've made by not doing it sooner. What advice would you give to your younger self? Don't be scared to be who you are and embrace every single part of you 
and hopefully one day you'll inspire many others to do the same. Brilliant. Where can everybody find you? What are your social media handles? Where are they going to go? On Instagram, I'm at hereisnogender UK. There is the UK at the end there. Or at Kerry Blue Barber as well. You can find me on there. Or at Be Trans Aware, which is the course that I also run. I'm also on LinkedIn under Hair Is No Gender, Facebook under Hair Is No Gender, and, and our website as well, which is hairisnogender.co.uk. Just wanted to say a massive thank you, Kerry, for joining us today on the podcast. It's been great to have you here. Thank you. And thank you for like getting my pronouns right the entire time. That's it for today's episode of NHBF Shines On. In our next episode, we'll continue to bring you the stories of the brightest lights in the hair and beauty industry, helping you to grow your business and with the help of the NHBF, chart your course by Salon Success. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.